Hey guys, it's time for Nina's Got Good News. Nina's a former TV news gal who used to share all the news. Now, as a mom and small businesswoman, she wants to share only the good stuff. It's time to brighten your day. So here's your host, Nina B. Clark. Hi everyone, this is Nina Clark, your host of Nina's Got Good News. I'm so excited that you're here for my next episode that you came back. This is a movement to share good news and we are growing every single week with a new episode on iTunes and Spotify. We're also on Google Play, Stitcher, and Outcast. And now, welcome to all of our listeners on Pandora. Welcome, welcome. I am so excited to bring you guys some new and valuable content today. My next guest is a well-known news anchor. We used to work together. Fun fact, we worked together at the Fox News Channel in New York City. She's also worked for E! Entertainment as well as Extra. And now she's in sunny California and she's an anchor at KTLA in Los Angeles. Courtney Friel is also a mother of two adorable kids. Hi, Cash and Cam. And she's making sober life fun again. Courtney's new book, Tonight at 10, Kicking Booze and Breaking News, talks very openly all about her addiction problems and how she has come out of it on the other side better for it. That is officially Good News Approved, and welcome to the podcast, Court. How are you? Yay! So great to reconnect with you from our Fox News days, Nina. Oh, it's been so long. You're doing so amazing. I'm so proud of you. And I'm so happy for you. I love following. I've been following your journey since we stopped working together. And I love following your journey. You're so inspiring and you're helping so many people. So I just want you to know that we're all saying bravo to Courtney Friel. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Court. Aww. So I've always wanted to be a news anchor and I'm lucky to be doing that. And Along the way, I had a 15-year party career, which Nina, I believe, overlapped into the time I knew you, but nobody really knew that was going on. I mean, I partied with a lot of people at Fox News, so they did, but the viewer wouldn't have known. And then now I have 10 years sober, so I wanted to write this book to show people that your life is not over. If you get sober, you will still have fun and your life will actually improve a lot and good, good things will come your way and you'll get calm and drama free. And so I wanted to write a book that didn't just have all the crazy stories. I, I get it. There's a lot of interest in that. And you have to put those in there so that the person you're trying to help can relate to you that, that you have a problem. But I wanted to really show life after getting sober and the challenges that I got through and didn't drink or drug. Well, it's an amazing book and it is helping so many people. But lately, there's been you know so much so much um, difficult news. You've personally been covering the tragic sudden death of Kobe Bryant mm-hmm. on the helicopter crash. I know you were on the air that day when it happened. So, how do you cope with such depressing news every single day? How do you get through all that? Because I'm sure even the Kobe thing could be like oh, a yeah. for you, right? I, I was on the air for ten hours straight that night, right when we found out that he died, I I rushed in. And by the end, I mean, I was choking back tears because we were just hearing so many sad 
testimonies, like people just talking about how he affected them. And it was like being at someone's funeral. And I got home and my fiance, who's like the ultimate Lakers fan, was he was even crying about it. And he, I was like, I, I don't mean to be insensitive, but I cannot talk about this. I cannot watch any more coverage after 10 hours of doing it. Like I was like, I just can't. And when I cover mass shootings or horrible stories, like the more hours that I have to put into it, I think the more I'm affected and, and I don't have an escape. I mean, sometimes I, I want to not think about that stuff or be affected by it. And I have to just choose healthier coping mechanisms. One thing that has been very helpful for me is meditation. Or if I have to pick, I'm obviously not going to like, I mean, I, I I have no intention of ever relapsing. Like my mind doesn't even go to alcohol. I know that's not something that I have the option to do. So, but if I have to you know, choose a big bowl of pasta or a McFlurry or something like, and then just carbo load, take a shower, go to sleep. Usually I, I recharge overnight and everything's better the next morning. Well, so tell us a little bit about, give us the story of your journey to get sober. Like, how did you know that you really had a problem? I know there was an intervention, but did you right. hit rock bottom? And what was the rock bottom? Give us the journey to getting sober. I think, a, look, and I don't judge what anyone else does. I, I think there's a certain amount of like level of rite of passage as far as in college people drink and stuff. And I just think when it gets to like a certain point, like a lot of people get sober around the age 30. Cause you're like, Hmm. Yeah. Not so cool to be like passing out and dancing on bars and everything. But I was always just taking it to the next level. Like now that I've been sober, I realized most people were not drinking like I was. Like I, from day one, was just very, very sloppy. And I would either get mad or I'd start crying or I would disappear or I'd puke or pass out. Like it was always just drama. And I think to a certain extent, people thought I was funny, but they were probably laughing at me too. And then drugs came into the mix and I was like in love with cocaine and then Adderall and Ambien and Xanax. And it was just right around the time I moved to New York. So things got amped up when I moved from Los Angeles to New York city in 2007. And that's when the pills like really got, um, more prevalent in my youth. I was taking Ambien and like going out to bars after taking pills of Ambien. And so I was blacking out all the time. And then Heath Ledger and DJM died. And I thought, wow, they had the same stuff in their system that, that I did and I could just die in my sleep or I'm, I really got scared that I was going to buy Coke from some shady dealer and then get in some bust and lose my job, get arrested. And so I kind of like felt it was heading that way. And I'd also seen a video of myself that I didn't even remember taking. And I had a bra on my head. I was on this train and people, you know, I thought like they were thinking I was funny but then my friend took, sent the video to me and I was appalled at what I saw. I was just horrified. And so um, I knew it was kind of headed that way. And then, yeah, I ended up like two weeks later from when I saw that video, my friends couldn't wake me up. I had taken a bunch of pills while drinking and I was passed out on the floor. And then they surrounded my bed the next day and 
gave me their argument for why I should go to rehab. And in that moment, thankfully, even though I was so hungover, I had enough brain cells left to know that I deserved more for my life, had more to offer this world. And I knew like, okay, if I do this, it'll be the best thing for me. And mm-hmm. so I said, yes. And so, so I went and I, Fox News knew about it and they were happy that I was being proactive. But I got to tell you, when I came back to Fox, I kind of lost all my airtime and I just couldn't get my, could never get my mojo back just because like of a lot of other logistics that had nothing to do with me and other things that were happening with like, you know, new bosses coming in and producers being reassigned and stuff. But it was extra devastating to me because I loved partying and I loved my job and I suddenly kind of had neither. And what about your husband at the time, Carter Evans? I remember Carter. I remember meeting him with you at Fox, but was he on board with you going to rehab and supportive of that? Was he part of the intervention with your friends? Yeah. So he was the one who initially came up and said, you have to go to rehab or we're getting a divorce. And I was like, F you. And then he went back downstairs and he got the other people. And it's what they said that really like convinced me to go. And in the book, I didn't, I didn't want to talk and I still don't really want to talk about anything like bad about him. Cause obviously he, we have a great love story divorce now. We're super amicable. And my kids, like I don't want, they don't need to know any of those details. So I've just made that my policy, but um, I will say that he was supportive in that moment. And then it, things do change though. Once one person gets sober and the other person doesn't. And I just, it's like, I kind of got like a new level of consciousness. I rose to like a new level and like was doing all this self-help work and stuff. And I think we kind of just grew apart. So then that was Mm -hmm. another layer of like challenge that I had to go through in my sobriety because for two years after we got divorced, I mean, I was a mess and I was, I felt so lonely and I had to learn how to do everything again. And I, and you were a single mom then, right? Yeah. Then you're on your own. It was like, it was the death of the relationship, the death of like the family unit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I would cry all the time in between shows on the way home from shows. Like I just remember anchoring and having this, like the tears were like welling up behind my eyes. And the second I'd get off the air, I would just drive home and I'd just be, I'd be sobbing so violently on the way home. Like thinking, do I need to pull over? Am I going to get in an accident? That's, that's how bad it was. But I'm, I'm grateful for that experience because that really sent me into such an icky place that I did learn to meditate. And I read so many self-help books and I had so many experiences that, just made me a whole new person. And yeah. Yeah. I feel like you got stronger from, from all that. Right. You came out. on the other. So the two, the two worst weeks of my life were the first week in rehab and then the first week of my divorce. So, but, but those two things are like the best things, things that could have ever happened to me too. Yeah. It's weird weird how life works. It is, isn't it? I know. Well, you got, you got better for it and we're so proud of you. So tell us a little bit about the rehab experience. Did you, did you, do you feel like, are you one of those people that um, thinks rehab is a really positive experience? Did you, did you like where you went? Do you ever talk about that? I recommend it to people to do it because it sets you up for 28 days of 
like you have no temptations, like you're getting drug tested, you're pretty much on like a lockdown, you're not going to be using. So then you can see how your brain has changed even in those 28 days. And you start start noticing like, wow, like everything's different, like and clearer and I'm noticing things and I'm present. And, but I know that not everybody has that option to leave their kids and stuff. I just think that it sets you up or it, the stakes are way higher when you have to put your life on hold to do that. And so for me, I knew it cost a lot of money to go to my rehab and I knew my work knew. So I said, okay, I'll do this for a year. That was my thought when I went into it, I was like only going to do it for a year. And then as time went by, I was like, wow, I'm really liking this. And then eight months into my sobriety, I got pregnant with my son. And so I was grateful for that because that got me through my first summer in New York City with like an excuse to not drink. Because back then I thought everybody was so concerned about me not drinking and what was I going to tell them as my reason for not drinking. And now I realize like, nobody cares. The only people who really care about what I'm drinking are alcoholics themselves, like wondering why I'm not drinking as yeah. I used to do to people when I'd be like, are you pregnant? Are you on antibiotics? Do you have to go to work? Like I couldn't understand why people didn't drink because I drank before doing everything. <laughs> oh my God, Court. I love it. You're like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you having a cocktail? Yeah, that's, right. um, I, I, I can relate to all those, all those um, things, but so what do you think about, how did you even find the meditation? How did, was, did that happen in rehab? Did you start working out a lot? I feel like some people, they want to start something, right? <laughs> yeah. What did, so meditation, I, working I out, say, what else? Therapy? I really wish that I would have had transference into wanting to work out a lot. <laughs> um, I think maybe like I did a little shopping, like, um, that was probably the only thing that like, I was able to recognize though, when things were like becoming an issue, like maybe at, maybe like the sex thing too, like, was I a sex addict? No, but did, did I notice sometimes when I would like do that to help with an emotion I was feeling or something like, so I, I was, I know I, I going to rehab, I learned all about like addiction. So I knew that it, other things could become a problem. So I would say that I'm pretty balanced on everything. And if there is a healthy transference, yeah, meditation is just something I need to do in my day. Like the second we get off the podcast here, I'm doing 22 minutes because I just haven't had time to do it today. And that's just my, my lucky number, the amount I do every day. And if I miss a day here and there, you know, that's fine. But if I miss two days for some reason, then I'm, I'm physically craving it. Now, how do you think you're making um, sobriety fun? Because my best friend in Chicago is, is sober and we always talk about how she's still so, so fun. But I think that that's um, not, people just don't think you can be fun when you're sober. So what are some of the things right. that you do to make sober fun and make people realize that you can still have fun and not be drinking and not be taking drugs? Right. Well, I like to go sober dancing. I, I, your definition of fun just changes. And so since we're all on Instagram, I try to post pictures of things that I'm 
doing, and I, I'll say like, you know, didn't need a drink for this or hashtag sober fun. Like, you know, here's me on the beach drinking my iced coffee or uh, yeah, I, I, and, and my, my new vice is coffee. So it's so funny. Cause I'll like watch movies now and I'll see them pouring coffee in a cup and it's like, Oh wow. I can't wait till my morning. I can't wait to have coffee. Like that looks so good. Like coffee is the new cocktail for me, but I, and, and I threw a charity event in 2017 it was called Sexy Sober Sunday and we had a DJ and it was like a brunch at this nice place at the beach and we had a red carpet and there were mocktails and the whole point of it was like, hey, you can still dress up and get glam and dance and have a be on the red carpet and you don't need to drink. Yep. That's so good. It's so good. And I love the dance, the sober dancing, because dancing is really fun. And sometimes <laughs> we just need to dance more. So I love that idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna share that with my with my bestie. I'm sure she's uh she's probably dancing in her kitchen already. But tell us a little bit about Cash and Cam. How do you think being sober has made you a better mother? Because you're so cute with them. I love watching you with them and growing. They've you know they've gotten so big. I remember when you were pregnant and now they've gotten so grown up, but how has it made you a better mother? Do you think being sober? Well, for one, and they know this, like they wouldn't even be in the picture. They wouldn't be in this world if mommy hadn't have stopped drinking. They know all about how I don't drink. And now my fiance, they know he doesn't drink. They know like how long we haven't drank for. They celebrated my 10 year sober birthday with me. It's like, oh, that's, it's mommy's 10 year birthday from not drinking. And I just try to be a good example to them and I'm present. Like there's not never going to be a time where they're like, mommy, mommy, mommy. And I'm passed out on the couch. And I couldn't imagine being a mom the way I was drinking before. It would have been, it would have been a disaster. And I would have, I would have resented them. I would have hated having to like not drink for nine months while being pregnant with them. And they would have totally interrupted my partying for sure. So they are the blessings of my sobriety. And I think because I didn't really want kids when I was using the fact that I was able to be present and and have them, like they've been such a joy to me. And it's like, you get to relive your childhood and you get to see the joy through their eyes, experiencing things. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so, it's so great. And a lot of people have asked me, well, why would you write a book if like your kids could read all that stuff one day? And they know like mommy's a badass. She put it all out there so that she can help people. And, they have the potential to do, help people one day too. And I'm not going to tell them don't try that because they can see for themselves. And people who are sober, who have kids that end up being alcoholics, those kids end up coming to the programs or, you know, 12 step programs a lot sooner. Like a lot of those kids end up getting help quicker than regular kids whose parents didn't do that. So I don't know yet. Will they, will they be, uh, do they, will they have the alcoholic gene in their brain? I don't know that yet, but I'm certainly not stressing about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, they're so cute and I'm sure they're so proud of you and your book. So what's the goal with the book? When you say you want to help yeah. so many people, is it, 
Do you want to be their guidebook? Do you want to be well, their first of all, the, I think that the book is interesting to the average person. So even if you have, you know, are a total normie and don't have a drinking problem, like if you want to know about the news business, I give the crazy behind the scenes stories about that. And then also if you're interested in anyone's journey of like being a hot mess and turning things around. And if you want some advice on things like how to start loving your job more and how like maybe you're going through a divorce one whole chapter is about like how to how to have a healthy love story divorce so there's and how to deal with chronic pain like uh, the regular regular average person will get something from the story but i think my like the target audience that i wrote this for is someone who is sober curious like oh my gosh like do I have to stop this? And will I ever have fun again? And then the, the newly sober who like, I want them to know like, Hey, hang in there. It's going to keep getting better and better. Right. And 10 years in you're, you're, you're better and better. I love that. That's so and good. Like, I mean, the chapter six is the dating sober. Like mm. I, when I got divorced, I didn't even think about the fact that I didn't drink. Like that wasn't even in my equation i thought like well it'll probably be you know more challenging because i have two kids in the mix i didn't think about the sober thing and that was it was such a it was such a huge issue at first and so i had to really learn the signs of of, of things to look for with people and work on, work on myself i mean through the book like you'll just see i was constantly working on myself and so i'm passing along those messages and giving examples of how things that i learned and worked then helped me and how did you meet your fiance, Jim? How did you guys meet? Um, well, we met through uh, a 12-step event, and then we had met there. But then Jerry O'Connell, we are both friends with Jerry O'Connell. So um, Jim kind of little did a little stalking of me and saw that, Jim and, uh, that Jerry and I followed each other. And then he texted Jerry and was like, how do you know Courtney Friel? Like, hook me up. And then Jerry texted me and was like, oh, my friend Jim's such a great guy and he, you know, you guys just met and like go out with him. And so it's, he's, he's been another blessing and it's, it's so nice being with someone who's sober. Like we travel and we don't have to worry about alcohol in the mix. Like it's just, we, we're so similar. We, we meditate together. We do yoga together. We go to meetings together. We mentor like other people together. And, um, he's a news junkie. Oh yes. It's just, it oh my God. So but I, I yes. honestly thought, I honestly thought I was going to be single for forever. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and I, bet, I can tell he's really good with cash and cam just in the pictures. He looks like he's so cute with them. Oh yeah, he, yeah, yeah, and I—I I mean, I don't even know if that was his plan to date someone with kids, but Cash and Cam—they are so amazing, and um, he's so good with them. So oh, I'm so happy. We're, yeah, we are getting married in October. Oh, I love it. That's so good. That's so good. Let's talk a little bit about your own podcast, Court, because you started <laughs> a podcast too. So, and it's all about sobriety. So, tell us a little bit about the podcast and how that came about. It's called Keeping It Freel Conversations on Recovery. And mine is video. So I shoot it at one studio and then KTLA takes the audio and airs the audio through their their channel. And then it gets some of it gets to go on the actual TV station as well. But it's twenty they're twenty minute interviews and they're just I, I initially wanted to do celebrities that 
are sober, which I had, you know, a handful on, but then, um, it's, it's kind of been more high profile people that just have like platforms that are open about being sober. And we just talk about their stories and living sober. And I, the, the goal of course is to help people. So I always end with like, okay, well, what's your advice to the person who's watching and struggling? Because I really think like, I mean, the majority of people who have issues are never going to go to rehab and they're never going to set foot in a 12 step meeting. So that's the great thing about the internet is that they can do a little search and find out the information or read a book without anyone having to know and maybe think, okay, this, this is something that I, that I could do and I'll give it a try. So Court, we have a lot of moms that listen to this podcast. So for all the moms out there that are working, how are you juggling so much? Your busy news career, your busy mom life, now this book and the podcast, and now you know getting married to Jim, you have so much going on. You're juggling a lot. You're balancing a lot. So for working moms out there, give us your best <laughs> advice. How do you do it? Uh, well, number one, the number one thing that helps me do all of that stuff is being sober because I certainly couldn't have partying in the mix. I mean, I can still have dinner with people. I can still show up to someone's birthday party or book party. It's just, I'm not shutting down the, the, the club anymore. You know, it's like freeing just to be able to like dip in. So I still have a social life, but like, I, I'm not like being out all night and then needing to like sleep after work. Cause I was hung over. So that, that frees up a lot of time and meditation too. It's, it's amazing how that gives by just doing 20 minutes it just makes it's like I don't have to procrastinate anymore like there's enough hours in the day to get everything done it's it's weird how that that helped me with that and then I mean the mom the mom thing's interesting because there is a huge like mommy wine problem going on yes yes and I had a friend tell me oh, I can't read a book to my son unless I've had at least three glasses of wine first. It's so boring. And that person is still trying to get sober um, 10 years later. And I, I just, I, like, I love, I love my time with my kids. So I'm, I'm glad that, like, I'm not, like, numbing out because it's boring or something like that. But again, no judgment from me. Like, everybody comes to the conclusion on their own. Although I will tell you this story. Like, I was helping a mom recently because she, I, I was open about being sober and she, her, um, daughter played on my daughter's softball team. And so then once we started talking, she kept asking me questions about it. And then she started coming to meet 12 step meetings and for about four or five months was like going to the meetings and still drinking. Um, and she just kept saying like, well, I haven't hit my bottom yet. I don't think I've hit my bottom yet. Well, then she was on the soccer field drinking wine with the moms. And then she went to take her son home and they like smashed the car into um, this tractor in front of her and she totaled her car. Like they weren't hurt, but like the husband was like, you're going into rehab right now for a month. And so that was her, like, I don't understand like why wait till you get to that point. Like she could have killed. And now her son's like having issues because he's, you know, he's seen mommy drunk and he's, you know, they crashed the car. Then she disappeared for a month and, so 
I mean, she's, I think she has about four months of time now. So I'm happy for her, but, um, she wanted, it's like, she was like asking for her bottom. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes that's what they, that's, they, they need that wake up call somehow, right. but yeah, I'm just so, so amazed by you that you're helping so many people and people you're so open to helping others. And I think that's such a good quality about you court. So Tell us a little bit about what's ahead for you in 2020. I mean, you've been so busy. <sighs> yeah. So what's ahead for Courtney Friel in 2020? <laughs> Courtney Friel is turning 40 in April. Courtney Friel is getting married in October. And it's funny because like, even though the book, the book process was like such a nightmare, I think I'd be a masochist to do it again. I, I do like have ideas for like, oh, if I wanted to do this again, I don't know. I, I, I just, I kind of, I'm kind of like on a pause right now from like just seeing how everything like flows with the book. And I'm, I, that's why meditation helps me stay grounded and I can just, you know, the universe knows my intentions for things and we'll see what opportunities come maybe out of this. I'd love to like do some speaking around the country, but I'm really busy with my job too. So maybe I can go part time. That's, that would be a dream too. So I know you'd be like an amazing motivational speaker court. I think I, I, see a TED talk, I see a TED talk in your future. Maybe, maybe, maybe not in 2020 because of the wedding and all that stuff, but maybe 2021. That I is see. on my bucket list. Yes, I can see it. I can totally see it. So Court, how can people find you? I know we love the gram. So give us, give us the scoop on where they can find you, Court. Yeah, pretty much the gram is my main operation hub. So at Courtney Friel, but also I'm on Twitter at Courtney Friel as well. And then the, the podcasts you can find wherever you stream podcasts or ktla.com, the Keeping It Friel podcast. Yeah, you always. And then, of course, my book is on Amazon. It's called yes. um, Tonight at 10 Kicking Booze and Breaking News. And the okay. Audible should be coming out any minute now. Oh, good. And did you voice the Audible court? I did. Yay. Oh, that's so great. I love when the author actually does the voice because then I feel Me even too. more connected. Yeah, that's awesome. I love Audible. So that's amazing. And what are you on TikTok yet, Court? No, I don't have time for that. Okay. Just one. I, I feel like that could be a, a something that sucks a lot of time. And, and yeah. Plus, I, I don't know. I, sometimes I feel like I wouldn't even be on social media if it wasn't for my job. Like yeah. you scroll on there and then I, I feel like you can always like, you get a lot of, I, I try not to be jealous, but like you see stuff and you're like, oh, I want, I want to be doing that or whatever. And then you're like, why am I, why am I bummed out about this? No, I'm awesome. And it's like, yeah, it's a time waster. And then yes, the phone I now, know. the phones, the phones tell us how like long we're on there. Yeah, so. I know. It's kind of, it's kind of frightening, isn't it? Right. And now I'm like all feeling guilty. Like I've spent way too much time on my phones. <laughs> I know. Totally. No one's judging though, Court. Remember, no one's judging. And Court, what no, about your migraines? Are you better? I meant to ask you about that. <sighs> well, they're still there right now, but fortunately in the past month, it's kind of been more like, I have this level of, um, where it's like, it's manageable if it's under a certain level and then it becomes more challenging when it gets above that threshold. So, so fortunately we've been, I've been 
under the threshold. So that's, it's like fun. I'll take that. I'll take it. <laughs> okay. I know you've tried a lot of things. So I, yes. I know you've, you've been very open about them and try, mm-hmm. again, trying to help people who are also experiencing migraines. It's the Freality Show. Yes. I know. I love it, Court. Well, thank you so much for being our good news guest. And I'm putting the the book information will be in the show notes of this podcast. So everyone needs to go get Courtney's book and either listen to it on Audible or read it because it's so awesome. Okay. Yeah. And I check, I check my Instagram messages. So mm-hmm. I would love to know your thoughts on this episode or if you have any questions or whatnot. Yeah, that's awesome. Yay. Send her a DM on the gram, Mm -hmm. you guys. Thanks, Court, so much. I'm so proud of you. And say hi to Cash and Cam and tell Jim he is one lucky guy. Oh, and I'm one lucky girl, too. But thank you, Nina. It was so good to talk with you. Thank you for listening to my mom's podcast. Remember, you can find Nina's Got Good News on iTunes and Spotify, also on Google Play, Stitcher, and Outcast. And now we are also on Pandora. Please be sure to subscribe. Also rate and review all her podcasts too. And be sure to share it with a friend. The mission of this podcast is to get better together as a community in the audio space. Please follow my mom on Instagram. Her handle is Nina B. Clark. Don't forget, Clark has an E at the end of it. For now, I'm Blaine Clark. Thank you again for listening, and let's just keep being awesome. XOXO.